Well, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer together this evening. Father, we come tonight and we are, uh, Lord, we're thankful as a, as a congregation and, and as a church body for um, the, the praises that we've heard tonight, the, the answers to prayer and, um, from um, Lord Robbie's appointment and being released by the surgeon and, and uh, Willie's cataract surgery, Lord, and um, the fact that Miss Kendrick does not uh, have cancer. And, and Father, just so many, um, so many ways that you have answered prayer, and, and we are thankful. Father, we do come tonight. We do remember um, those that we have, have mentioned. Father, we, do, we continue to pray for Mike. Um, Lord, we pray that you would continue to, to heal his body. and um, Father, also to, uh, Lord, minister to him by your spirit and that, that his spirits would be uh, lifted and, and encouraged. And um, Sheila as well, Lord, we pray that you would give her strength during this time, and um, Lord, we thank you for what we've heard of, as far as um, Mike being able to to walk and to um, be in the wheelchair. And so, um, but Father, we pray that you would continue, Lord, to heal him. Uh, Father, we uh, do pray tonight for um, Roger Woody that's been mentioned with getting a pacemaker and and heart uh, issues, Father, we pray that, that you would um, give th those that are, are working on and caring for him wisdom and, and that uh, as they do uh, put this pacemaker, it would, uh, Father, solve the issues that he's having. And uh, Lord, we pray tonight for Bethany's grandparents and Lord, know that um, Lord, as they've her, her grandmother's in the hospital. We pray that she would, um, Father, would respond to, to medication or, or to treatment and that this, um, the, the violence would, would, would not be there. And, uh, Father, be with, with them, with the family as, as they're working through that situation. Lord, give them wisdom um, during this time. And, um, Father, we just, we pray tonight. Um, Father, for, for Dixon, as he goes to the, the doctor tomorrow, we think that, thank you that he was put on this, this new medication. And, um, Lord, hopefully it'll, it'll, um, it'll regulate uh, everything and, and he can continue to heal from the surgery. Uh, Lord, we just, um, we come tonight and we, we praise you and we thank you, Father. And we do pray tonight that as we, study as we, we think through um, the truths that we're going to talk about this evening. Father, may you open our mind. May you uh, teach us, uh, Father, but also Lord, work in our hearts to transform us, uh, to make us more like Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. So last time we were together, we looked at an introduction to uh, the concept or the topic of Christian zeal. 
and we, we kind of started by defining it and, and looking at what it means. Um, we looked at some of the different areas, areas in our daily lives where we, we lack so often the zeal that we should have as believers. Um, I did think it was interesting and kind of chuckled to myself um, Sunday morning because as, as Pastor Kerry was, was preaching and we started to um, read from the word there, First uh, Peter 3.13, um, as I was reading, Pastor Kerry read from New King James, it says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Uh, the word translated there as become followers is actually zelotes, where we get our word zealous. Um, so the, the ESV, New American Standard have, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Now I thought about how, you know, it's so amazing to me. I guess it shouldn't be. But it, it's really awesome how, you know, when you're, when you're faithfully seeking to, to teach and preach the truth of the word, how, and sound doctrine, how these things come together, right? Across teachers, across services. So being there in the text on Sunday morning and then talking on Wednesday evenings about zeal. Um, it's just, the way they support each other and build one another up, it, it's just, it's an edifying and an encouraging thing to see um, when we are seeking to study the truth. And so tonight, uh, we're going to look at the nature and marks of Christian zeal. So we'll start here with the nature of it. And what we're talking about here, in other words, is what is it like? What are the characteristics of Christian zeal? How do you know if you have it or not? What, what are the marks and, that we look to um, or characteristics we look to to see uh, what it is and if we have it? Um, so we're going to start tonight by kind of looking at some ideas from um, the book, from our study. First of all, um, Dr. Beakey and LaBelle, they, they write that zeal is a purposeful stirring and enlivening of the desires of the heart. Stirring and enlivening of those desires. They go on to say that a, a truly zealous person is one whose intensity and passion have ignited all his desires towards a singular object. So with zeal, there's this pinpoint laser focus of the passions and the desires and the drive of, of our hearts. Further, we see true Christian zeal is ignited by fire from heaven and therefore directs all desires to the glory of God and the good of his church. And, and this is an important point to, to look at. True Christian zeal is not something that is man-made. It's not something that we produce in ourselves or, or conjure up in some way. It, it's supernatural. Um, it's from the Lord. It, it's through the Holy Spirit and, and believers that, that produces this zeal in our lives. Uh, Christopher Love was a, a Puritan in, in the mid-1600s, and he wrote that Christian zeal is a full and vehement vent, or it's, a, it's this impassioned expression that, that comes out 
of a man's desires, affections, and endeavors after Jesus Christ and the gospel, so that no difficulties or discouragements whatsoever shall take him off from his pursuit after Christ. So the nature of Christian zeal is one that uh, it's not thwarted, it's not quenched, it's not put off by difficulties or discouragements in life and in pursuing this zeal. Um, And so to to kind of put it all together, we read, um, and, and this is kind of long, but I think it's very well written and very well stated. We see that by nature, Christian zeal is the grace that invigorates and inflames all our affections, all the desires of our hearts towards a sole purpose, and more specifically, a holy, a God-centered purpose. It's the gracious propensity or inclination that's, that's given to the soul by the Spirit of God that incites and inclines all our affections toward God and towards His kingdom. It's divine grace that enables our once barren affection. These desires were not always there. There was a time when they were not, but they've been brought forth and they've been made alive by the Spirit of God in us to bring forth the fruits of righteousness in every area of life. And that's a great description of what it means to have Christian zeal. The, the nature of it. Next, we want to look at marks of Christian zeal or, or characteristics of it. Um, how, is this, how does this come out? How is it expressed um, day-to-day in the life of the believer? Um, and, and how do we identify this? And so there are six marks tonight that we, we want to look at. Um, and so the first is a love for God. Do we have a love for God, um, a love that desires to be with Him, to spend time with Him in prayer and in His Word, um, a love that, that leads to this intense longing in the heart that, that He be near to us? It's a love that, that brings about grief when His name and cause are injured. Whenever someone defames or mocks the name of God, it brings about an intense sadness because the kind of treatment is not what he, in fact, deserves. He deserves all glory and honor and praise um, from every creature for all eternity. Um, and we, we read this of, about this grief. It, it grieves him to see the lovely one so little loved, the adorable one so little adored, the creator forgotten by creatures made in his own image, the universal governor ignored by his people, to see his laws trampled upon, his word despised, his house neglected, his name abused, and the Lord of glory crucified every day and put to an open shame. This sadness. And then along with that comes a righteous anger at these Things. And we see an example of this in, in Acts 8. Um, just one example of, of many here. Simon the magician, you might remember, um, there, he saw the apostles and, and they were laying their hands 
on believers and they were praying for them and the, and the Spirit then gave them spiritual gifts. And, and Simon the magician, he, he looks at it and he's like, man, I want that. I want some of those gifts that they're receiving. And so he goes to the apostles and he, he basically asks, he's like, how much is that going to set me back? How much is it going to cost for me to get some of that? And, um, and then we read, here's uh, what Peter said to him. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither pot nor, part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness in the bond of iniquity. It's very direct, very matter-of-fact speech from Peter. It has this very authoritative tone to it. It's this righteous anger welling up in him and and leading him to respond this way. Um, How dare you insult the God of the universe by thinking that you can buy him with silver. Um, this, this response here to um, God being mocked in this way. So first, a love for God. Second, this zeal is ruled by Scripture. It's ruled by Scripture. And so what we mean here is um, many times we can be guilty even as believers, of being zealous for our opinion or for tradition or for our preferences, things like that. Um, But that's not to be the case. Instead, we're to to be zealous for those truths that we see presented to us in Scripture. Um, and, And we're zealous for Scripture in order to know the will and the good pleasure of God, um, that, that we carry out His will of command in our lives. So it is, it is led by and ruled by Scripture. Third mark that we see is that, that true Christian zeal um, is seen in, as we're devoted to good works. Um, now, these works might be within us. It might be the, the spiritual disciplines in our lives, time in word, uh, time, in the prayer, time in prayer, fasting, worshiping in thankfulness to the Lord. Um, it might be outward in evangelism and, and uh, teaching and, and discipleship. It might be in, in serving another person and meeting their physical needs. Uh, all of these are examples of works that one who has this Christian zeal will, will devote themselves to. Um, and we see that these are to be done to the best of our ability. So there's no cutting corners or half-stepping or, or saying, you know, it, doing good enough to get by. Um, so it's, it, it's doing... All of these works that we do for the Lord, with all the the might and the strength and intention that we can muster. Because we are doing them unto the Lord. 
And that's our second point. They're done to the glory of God. And it says here, looking more to the task than to the reward. You know, many people can, can work when they're motivated by what they're getting out of it. Or what they're getting in return. The one field with Christian zeal is not so much concerned with that and what they're getting as they're focused on doing the task well. That God might be worshipped and glorified in doing it. Um, And lastly, these good works are done um, by relying on the strength of the Lord to do them. It's not on our, our own power. It's not our own resolve. Um, that we do these things we've been called to do, but rather it's the power and strength of the one who has called us to do them. And so one who has zeal will be devoted to these good works in our lives. Uh, Number four is a very important one. It it begins with self-examination. It begins with looking at self first. The, the Puritan Thomas Brooks, he put it this way. Christian zeal spends itself in its greatest heat principally upon those things that concern a man's self. It's, it's this scriptural principle that, that Jesus taught when he, he talked about um, getting the log out of our own eye first so that we can see to get the speck out of our brother's eye. And so this, this self um, looking at self first, this Christian zeal, it shows itself in our lives first and foremost by, by putting to death our sins. John Evans, he wrote this, We should be warmest in concern and endeavor that we ourselves may daily become wiser and better, that we may pull out every beam or mote out of our own eyes. And if people were thus in earnest zealous at home, a great deal of irregular zeal to others would be prevented. In other words, when you're focused on ridding sin in your own heart and mind and being sanctified yourself, there's less time, there's less opportunity to be focused on on hypocritically calling out other people for their sin. Another aspect of self-examination of the one with the zeal, is that we will be thankful to receive the correction of others. Um, the correction of, of other people um, in our lives, in discipline for our good, um, is something that takes quite a bit of maturity to be able to receive well and to understand and to appreciate. Um, Naturally, we just don't like to be corrected. Um, but when we're consumed with this passion for Christ and, and for His glory, we, we begin to appreciate this discipline. And lastly, we've kind of mentioned this but already, but when we're uh, focused on our own sanctification and reading sin in our hearts, it, it helps to prevent hypocrisy. Uh, when we're focused on, on the wrongs of others, we're focused on what, what they're doing and not our own hearts and, and minds. So um, we want to 
the one with zeal will be, be focused on this idea of, of self-examination. Fifth mark is that one who is truly zealous cares about others. And the greatest care that we can have for, for someone else is that they are saved, that they're born again, that they experience new life in Christ. Um, John Reynolds wrote this, Sacred zeal is a lover of mankind, studious and solicitous for the truest, highest welfare for all which can only be found in God. If we truly love them, then we will bring them to the one that we are zealous for. It also means that the one who is zealous will will care for others in, in desiring that they repent of sin. Um, be a desire for those in, in the family, in the church congregation, to, to be restored in their relationship with the Lord. And, and again, this is a genuine, this is a, a heartfelt desire of someone who knows what it's like to have that relational distance between um, themselves and the Lord created through sin. But they also know the joy and the beauty that comes through repentance and having that relationship restored. And so therefore they desire that for others. And then the one with true Christian zeal cares about others by desiring that they live fruitful lives of fruitful obedience to the Lord. So that they use their gifts and abilities that the Lord has given to them um, for their good and for His glory. The last mark that we'll mention tonight, um, number six, is that true Christian zeal is constant. And one aspect of what this means is that Christian zeal does not yield to discouragement. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one thing that we find in life, that there's, there's plenty of things to be discouraged by um, and to be experienced. There's physical discouragement, emotional, spiritual, relational discouragement, all, all kinds of areas where we face these things. And so when one has zeal, none of these finally... Or, or in the in the long haul, um, will hinder them. Will hinder the one that's truly zealous for Christ. I mean, we all ebb and flow in in these things from time to time. But but when we truly possess this zeal, we, we won't permanently be held down by discouragement. Um, another thing we see is that in this. Um, in being constant, um, it's many times we're helped in this by focusing on what the Puritans would call um, the final four things, and that's death, judgment, heaven, and hell. So death comes to everyone, all mankind, 
Um, we all then stand before Christ in, in judgment. We'll give an account of our lives. And I mean, to the point, Jesus says in Matthew 12 that, that every person will stand before him and give an account for every careless word they've spoken. Um, and then all people will spend an eternity either in, in paradise of, of heaven with God or in conscious eternal torment in hell. Um, and so, as our book says, the zealous Christian stirs his affections by lifting his thoughts to eternal matters, to, to living with eternity in mind. It makes a, a big difference in, in perspective and how we view things. Um, the authors then, they write in um, conclusion to this section on the marks of Christian zeal. They say, in these ways, Christian zeal shows itself to be of God and for God. It is therefore not to be despised, but sought with all our might at the throne of grace. Um, and I have given you on, on the, the handout, you can see there that some of the ways that you can tell the difference between true and false zeal, and we, we don't really have time to, to go into that, but, but I wanted to give it to you on, on the handout uh, so that you could look at that. Um, so next time we'll, we'll come back and we'll actually look at the ne- necessity and motives of true Christian zeal. What is it that drives this passion for Christ in the believer's life? And th- that's what we'll look at uh, when we come back together. So let's pray. Father, we um, thank you for tonight. We thank you for the study and and the truths that we have seen. We do pray, Father, for uh, Lord, that you would ignite uh, a a true and a real passion in us for you, for truth, for the gospel, for others. Father, to to see um, Lord, good come to them, Lord, and, and to see their salvation and, and sanctification in you. We, we pray, Lord, for, for hearts that, uh, Father, and minds that do live with eternity in mind. So, Lord, we pray that you would work to change us, uh, Father, and, and Lord, help us to live with thankfulness and obedience, Lord, in the days to come. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.